podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to Two Footed Podcast. It is Tuesday, the 2nd of March, and we are brought to you by EPLindex.com in association with our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider that's a virtual privacy network, allows you to go online, change your location, access American Netflix, even if you're not in the US, use your Now TV subscription if you're from the UK but outside the UK and Brexit's calling, causing you problems. You can just reset your location, pretend you're in the UK, your internet service provider won't know any different, or at least Now TV won't know any different, and you can use your service there. It'll also keep your data safe online, keep those ne'er-do-wells away from your personal information. Check out libertyshield.com and use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, which is a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Homeofhopcroft.co.uk for all your giftware and homeware needs. Right, folks, one game last night and we'll get to it, but I want to start with some some bad news in the world of football, some very sad news. One item from Sunday that I just, it slipped my mind yesterday to mention, and one that's come out this morning. Uh, Glenn Roder passed away on Sunday. Glenn Roder, of course, had played for Leighton Orient, QPR, Notts County, Newcastle, Watford, Leighton Orient and Gillingham, and then managed Gillingham, Watford, Newcastle, West Ham, Norwich, and was an advisor at Stevenage. He had battled uh, a brain tumour for 18 years, and unfortunately he passed away on Sunday. So thoughts with his family, very sad news for all those who knew him. Uh, he always came across very well. I always talk quite highly of Glenn Roder, very highly rated coach um, outside of his, his actual managerial jobs. And today, Ian St. John, the legendary Liverpool striker, I think it was actually last night that he passed away, but he had been sick with bladder cancer. Um, and yeah, he, he's passed away last night. It was announced today. Legend for Liverpool, a transformative signing by Bill Shankly, one of Shankly's first signings at Liverpool, or first big signings at Liverpool. Often overlooked in that great Shankly team because he wasn't the main goal scorer, but he was the main facilitator for Roger Hunt, who, of course, broke scoring records galore for Liverpool. Uh, Ian St. John was a tremendous player and a great man. And for those of my age, you grew up watching Saint and Greavesy. Uh, him and Jimmy Greaves every Saturday morning and it was just something that you did it was something that you watched it was just part of the fiber of growing up in the era I grew up in and um, a lovely man everybody who's come in any type of contact with him has spoken very very highly it's a sad day obviously for his family but for Liverpool Football Club and I think the football community as a whole 
so, yeah, Ian St. John and Glen Roder. May you rest in peace. Um, right, on to Everton uh, versus Southampton last night. A 1-0 win for Everton. A deserved win, I would say, overall. Everton were the better team for the first 60 minutes, though. Southampton did grow into the game and did create some decent chances late on. Richarlison scored the only goal of the game after nine minutes. It's a long ball by Pickford. Calvert-Lewin wins the first aerial duel. Then he wins the second aerial duel. Ball drops to Gilfie Sigurdsson. It's a little slip ball in between the centre-backs. Richarlison runs on to it, rounds the goalkeeper and scores. A very similar goal in a lot of ways to the goal he scored against Liverpool. Um, Everton scored a second goal uh, on 25. It was a free kick on the kind of right-hand side of the penalty area. A little bit of a pre-worked routine with Dina and Sigurdsson, where Dina faked the run. Sigurdsson faced, faked the pass to him. They let on and had, hadn't worked out. And then Dina whipped the cross in left-footed. Mason Holgate headed back across and Michael Keane headed in. Holgate was a judge to be offside, though, and the goal was chalked off. Ben Godfrey almost added a second for Everton early in the second half before Southampton really started to show anything we're talking about. They had some half-decent chances. Salisu had a half-chance with a header from a, a set-piece. Um, Jenepo breaking in on the right-hand side, was slipped in by James Ward-Prowse and flashed his shot wide. Probably should have done a bit better. Uh, Yannick Vestergaard had a, a decent chance, but Pickford was out very quickly off his line and able to smother it. And that was basically it. A fairly even game ac- across possession and balance of chances, but Everton, Everton looked far more purposeful when they had the ball. I think you'd be very hard done to argue that Everton weren't the better team and weren't deserving of their three points. They stay seventh. But they're now level on points with Liverpool on 43. They do have a game in hand on their crosstown rivals. Up next for Everton, they've got West Brom away on Thursday night. The same night that Liverpool play Chelsea. So come Thursday, Everton could well be ahead of Liverpool at close of business. Then they've got Chelsea themselves. That's an away fixture on the Monday. Then it's Burnley at home. And then they've got Manchester, uh, sorry, Manchester City in the FA Cup quarter final. That that'll be a tough game. But three games coming up, two of them they'll expect to win. The Chelsea game will be very tough, but you'd expect them to go to the Hawthorns and beat West Brom. You'd expect them to beat Burnley at home. And then after that, they do have a couple more favourable games. They got Palace at home and Brighton away. Again, games that expect to win. Now their last seven is. One of the tougher last seven game runs that I've seen. They've got Tottenham at home, Arsenal away, Villa at home, which is their their game in hand. Then West Ham away. Sheffield United at home, they'll win. Wolves at home and then Man City away on the final day of the season. So they really don't want to be going into the last day of the season needing anything. Even though City will have the title wrapped up, you know that Pep isn't going to want to lose a game. Unless the winning streak is is well and truly done by then, um, and unless it came down to, like, if Everton win, Liverpool aren't in the top four, I don't see any chance that City would would give them, you know, give them an inch in that game. So it is a tough tough run for the last seven, bar that Sheffield United game. But the next 
four of the next five league games are favourable to them. Four of the next five league games, they can ramp things up, get some points on the board, get some more points on the board, and continue their challenge for top four because they're very much in the top four mix. They're only two points behind West Ham with that game in hand. And like I say, that game in hand is Villa. And while it will be tough, it is a winnable game for them. And if they were to win that, they would be top four. So I, I picked them at the start of the season to finish top four. I, I'm not as confident now as I was. But with Leicester having so many injury problems, I'm, you still expect West Ham to have a bit of a dip and not quite get top four. Chelsea are struggling to score goals. They look much better under Tuchel, but they are struggling to score goals. Liverpool don't know what's going on with them at the moment. It, it is a little bit open. There's, there's probably two spots. United are only one point ahead of Leicester, and they could go through a bad run. We've seen it happen with them before. But I think you kind of expect United. They're in At the moment, they're in pencil in the top four. City are in in big black marker. United in pencil. But the other two spots... I think there's six teams that will be eyeballing them because I still think Spurs have a chance. They've got a game in hand. If they And it's also against Villa, obviously. If they win that game in hand, Tottenham will be only three points off West Ham in fourth. Now, it's still a long way to go to Leicester. They'd be seven points behind them. But it's not outside the realms of possibility that they could put a run and get, run of wins together. They've got the talent. We've seen them do it before. They've done it this season. It's not, again, not impossible that Leicester lose three or four in a row. We look what happened to them last season. And with the injuries that are now piling up, it's tough to see Leicester hanging on to the top four right now. Now, if they get players back and they can, you know, hodgepodge their way through the next couple of games, they'll give themselves a chance. But genuinely, I think there's six teams for two spots. I think there's six teams for two spots. Leicester, West Ham, Chelsea, Liverpool, Everton and Spurs. And I think Leicester and West Ham are probably... Leicester, because of the injuries, West Ham have the least talent in the group. The, 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 the rest all have better squads, better 11s. But you know, West Ham have had a great season. So I think West Ham probably drop out. I think Leicester could drop out. And then I think it's really open. I really do think it's open. I think we're in for a pretty exciting end to the season. It'll be some bad football. The football has been getting worse. The caliber of football has been getting worse as weeks have gone by, as players get more tired. We get the international break coming up. That's just a waste of time. That should be a break for the players. The players should be getting a two-week break here to refresh, recharge, get themselves back in order. Now, I know that there's been um, some mandates that players for, from certain countries or certain parts of the world don't have to be released, uh, thankfully. So I think you'll see a bunch of players get a break, get a rest, get over any little niggling injuries that they have, and all going well. Come April, we may see some some better football initially, but I, again, I still think it'll tail off, and we'll see some bad football. But it'll be exciting football. It'll be it'll be the type of football that you know if it'll make good highlight clips. If you watch the ninety, maybe won't be so good. But if you 
if you just want to watch the highlights, if you just want to watch Match of the Day or the clips on, on YouTube or whatever, I think it will work out entertaining in that regard because I think there'll be a lot of goals. Um, right. Oh, sorry, said Hampton. They are 14th. Now, their run of form is an atrocity at the moment, an absolute atrocity. Since beating Liverpool, they've just fallen off a cliff, and it is a little bit concerning. Now, I didn't expect them to get much from that Everton game last night, but they've lost eight of nine. Their only point coming against Chelsea, and to be fair, they were unlucky not to win that game. Chelsea got a penalty that was a little bit soft. But eight defeats in nine, it spoiled their season because they were doing so well. Like, Let's not forget, they did briefly go top of the league for a night one Friday. So, you know, they finished that weekend, I think, in third. Um, but they've been in the top four at the end of three different match weeks. They've been in the European positions at the end of nine different match weeks. And unfortunately, their season has just gone into the toilet with this run of defeats. They're still two points clear of Burnley, four clear of Brighton and Newcastle, and seven points clear of Fulham. So they should be okay, but this run can't continue for much longer. They've got Sheffield United away next. That's a game they just don't have any say in. They have to go and win it. They really have to go and win it. And to be fair, their next run of fixtures is quite favourable bar one. They've got Sheffield United away. Then they've got Man City away. So I think you just write that one off. Then they've got Brighton at home. Then they play Bournemouth in the FA Cup away. But then it's Burnley at home, West Brom away, and Crystal Palace at home. So there's, there's five games out of the next six in the league that they should win. Or at least get a good result and get a point, whatever to right the ship, get them, you know, stop the free fall, get them moving in the right direction again. They should beat Bournemouth in the FA Cup. And an FA Cup semi-final would be a great achievement for West, for Southampton. I think, you know, any kind of cup run is always an added bonus when you're having a really bad season or your season has turned in the manner that theirs have. Um, it's not the worst run-in in the world either. Leicester at home, Liverpool away, but then Fulham at home, Leeds at home, and then West Ham away on the last day. They'll be fine. They they will be fine. They've got enough of a cushion with seven points from Fulham, and they've got a favourable enough schedule. Like, you'd have to expect that they'll be okay. They'll stay up. They'll have some regrets about this run of form. And I think one thing they're definitely going to have to do is address... The, the depth issues in their squad, especially at fullback. I mean, there's just no excuse for when you're missing one right back that you have to move your best centre back out of position. And because you've moved him out of position, you've got to move Vestergaard from left centre back to right centre back. So he's now out of position as well. So not only is he out of position, you're breaking the partnership with him and Bertrand on the left side of defence. Um, uh, they need to get Diallo back as soon as possible as well. They only really have three central midfielders that they trust. Romeo, he's out now for a while. Diallo and Ward-Prowse. They need a fourth one in there. 
Stuart Armstrong is a good player, but he's not a central midfielder. He's better in more attacking areas. Last night, you ideally would have wanted him, say, where Nathan Redmond was in one of those more advanced roles. Um, and it's not like they're... Well, they are fairly badly hit with injuries. They've got Walker-Peters out, um, Diallo out. Diallo should be back, hopefully, in a week. Minamino's out. He's it's only just a slight tie issue. He'll be back. Walcott is out. Obafemi, um, Michael Obafemi's out. I was going to call him Obafemi Martins. Michael Obafemi's out. Now, he wouldn't be starting anyway. Neither would Will Smallbone. But Romeo's out. He could be out for the season. Yeah, he. I think it looks like he is out for the season. Um, so they need to get Diallo back. They need Diallo back in midfield. They need Walker Peters back at right back. And they could do it Minamino back in attack. But they're going to have to address this in the summer. They can't afford to go into next year with as small a squad. They did really well in the transfer market. Last summer, they only brought in three players, but each one of them has done well. Walker Peters, they had him on loan, but they made that a permanent deal. He's done really well this season until the injury. Salisu has come into the team in recent weeks. Now, he missed half the season, but he's come in in recent weeks and he just looks absolutely comfortable at home, you know, at home in the Premier League. I think him and Bednarak is the partnership moving forward or the long-term idea there. And Diallo's the long-term idea as a holding midfielder. Uh, Lee Scott, who was a regular on this podcast and will be back. Um, Lee is a is a big, big fan of Diallo. And then they brought in Walcott on loan. And he's done pretty well. And Minamino on loan. And again, he's done pretty well. But you know, when you look at the amount of players that they have out on loan, you know, El Yanazi's on loan at Celtic. Uh, Lamina's on loan at Fulham. I think his contract's up this summer. Wesley Hoyt is on loan. Angus Gunn is on loan. Shane Long is on loan. Jan Valerie. I mean, Jan Valerie's a right back. He could have been playing for them. Um, for a couple of years, they sort of lost their way in terms of transfers. Now, I think El is a good player. And he's done really well at Celtic. And I'd like to see him get another opportunity at Southampton under Ralph. I think him and Jenepo as those kind of wingers who play out to in would be really good in, in certain games. Um, Lamine is a good player. He just it never worked from at Southampton for whatever reason. He's been good for Fulham this year, though. Wesley Hoyt was bought to be the Van Dyke replacement. That was a disaster. Angus Gunn is a better goalkeeper than what he's shown. Um, but unfortunately for him, he's gone from Southampton paying $14 million for him to being basically the second-choice goalkeeper at Stoke behind uh, the young, what's his name, Joseph Bursic. Um, so it's not ideal how Angus Young's kind of development has gone. Um, I don't think it was a mistake to buy him. But they definitely overpaid for him. One thing, what I'm going to do in the next few, I'm going to start actually today with, with, with Chelsea. But what I want to do in the next couple of weeks, as we lead towards the summer, is start looking at, you know, previous transfer windows for clubs, hits and misses and, you know, pushes. And um, seeing if there's any trends, if, if teams are getting better, if teams are getting worse, what teams are getting better. Has that been down to a change in... Management has it been down to a change in direction, change in structure, 
Um, so Southampton will definitely be one to look at because there was a number of years where you felt like they were brilliant in the transfer market and they'd buy players. Those players would develop and they'd sell them at a big profit. And then they lost their way and, and it was players like Al Yanazi and Sofian Buffal who left in the summer on a free, very talented, but just never worked. So the talent identification was there. It was just a matter of, I think, identifying whether the player was compatible with A, the club, and B, the league. Or it could be vice versa, the league first, then the club. So there's no doubt that Buffal is a very good player. He just it never worked from the Premier League. Lamina is, is absolutely fine in the Premier League. Just didn't work for him at Southampton. Wesley Hoyt's a good defender in a slower league. He also came from playing in a back three at Lazio to trying to play in a back two at Southampton, and that didn't work. So, yeah, that's something I plan to do over the next weeks and months. Um, but today we are going to start it. So what we're going to do, um, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to look at the Roman Abramovich era at Chelsea, the hits, the misses, some of them are just a push. That's after the break. Right, welcome back. Uh, we have to take ad breaks just to keep the keep the lights on, keep the bills paid. So, I hope you don't mind. Um, Chelsea, Roman Abramovich arrived in the summer of two thousand and three. Chelsea had been very, very close to bankruptcy, to administration. They qualified for the Champions League on the final day of the season, the 02-03 season, beating Liverpool. And there's a lot of stories that go around that they, you know, prior to the game... In the dressing room, the managing director was in telling the players, look, you know, it's it's win or bust here. If we don't win, we don't make the Champions League. This club is going bankrupt, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, they only needed a draw on the day. They had the goal difference advantage on Liverpool. Both teams went into the day on 64 points. But Liverpool knew that if they won, they would get top four. Likewise, Chelsea knew that a win or a draw would put them in, and a 2-1 win for Chelsea. Sammy Hippie had put Liverpool 1-0 up. Marcel Desailly equalised pretty much straight away, and then Jesper Gronkjaer scored on 27 minutes. Steven Gerrard sent off late on for Liverpool uh, to compound their misery and miss them out on the Champions League. But all of a sudden, a couple of days later, News breaks. It's all over everywhere. Roman Abramovich. This guy we had never heard of. I'd never heard of him. I doubt you'd ever heard of him. This unknown Russian billionaire with untold millions, untold billions, was buying Chelsea from Ken Bates. Ken Bates, a controversial figure in football. Just one of those kind of oafish Brexity men. More money than sense. Bought Chelsea for a pound. Built them up and then ran them into the ground in, I, I don't know, an attempt to chase glory that was outside their means at the time. But he did sell to Bramvich for about 18 million. He would go on to buy a stake in Leeds. 
um, help them into administration. Re- really not very good, not very good. Uh, he stayed there for a while, to be fair, and they were, you know, they went down to League One. They came back up to the Championship. Then he sold, and then the Leeds man, uh, ownership merry-go-round began. But I think it's fair to say Ken Bates is not very popular with Leeds fans. He is with Chelsea fans, and it's understandable in a way. I mean, they won, they won cups that they hadn't won in quite a while under Ken Bates, under his ownership, under the money that he put into the club. Um, no league titles, but they did win two FA Cups. They also won the European Cup Winners' Cup in 97-98. And um, they were they were a fashionable club that would oftentimes surprise you with a player that they'd bring in. From Rude Hullet to Gianluca Vialli to Gianfranco Zola. They were just... It's hard to describe. I don't think there's a club like them at the moment. Spurs are some somewhat like them at the moment. But Spurs don't win things. Chelsea would win cups. Chelsea was there was an excitement around them. Like when they signed Desailly and they signed Frank LeBuff and Roberto Di Matteo and Casa Raggi and, and these players that you'd either seen in the World Cup or you'd seen on Gazetta Football Italia. These players would just rock up at Chelsea and, and they'd look magnificent. And then you'd look to another area of the pitch and there'd be a Jody Morris or something. So they had this blend of like these big name foreigners and then these sort of run of the mill English players. And it worked for them for, you know, through the 90s. Then they got a little bit excited, overspent, and, you know, they were on the brink of going bust. But Roman arrives and. We talk about things that changed the game. And last week I spoke about Wenger and how Wenger changed the game in England from the purpose of, you know, training regimes, scouting, nutrition, sports science, just philosophy on football. Roman Abramovich's arrival is the next sliding doors moment in Premier League history. After the arrival of Wenger, it's the next big change in English football because to this point, there'd only been one mega wealthy team. Blackburn had been really well off, but their time as an elite club was quite short. Manchester United were the only mega rich club who'd sustained success. Now, much of that is obviously down to Alex Ferguson. And Arsenal had been able to have success, the league, three league titles, FA Cups, but they'd never been mega wealthy. I went through the signings last week. Wenger, by and large, was working with, you know, a negative net spend. Chelsea changed that. From the moment Abramovich arrived, football in England has never really been the same. Transfer spend went through the roof. And I've seen Chelsea fans talk about how they're the best club in the world when it comes to the transfer market. They've got the best owner and they're the best when it comes to the transfer market. And I wonder, are they? So I've got every season of signings in front of me here. And I want to go through them. Same thing I did. Did it with Ferguson more in depth than with Wenger. It kind of ran through the Wenger ones. Did it in depth with Ferguson. Hit, miss, or push. 
Is a signing a hit? Is it a miss? Is it a push? Did they do okay? Were they just a, bought to be a squad player and were a squad player? Bought, developed a little bit, sold at a bit of a profit. That's a push. A hit is obvious, a miss is obvious. Pushes are a little bit ambiguous. But we'll start off with the 0304 season. So summer of 2003, they signed Glenn Johnson from West Ham. The first big signing of the Abramovich era, £6 million. I would say push. They made their money back when they sold him on to Portsmouth. He was very, very young. He was too young for the move at the time. But he was an exciting, attacking right back who was seen as the future of the England national team. And Chelsea jumped on that. Now, they already had a good right back at the club the previous year. Albert Ferrer had been there, the Spanish player. He'd had some injuries and he'd aged. And they released him. They bring in Glenn Johnson. And like I say, he did okay. The problem is that with Chelsea, they change managers so frequently that every time a new manager comes in, he wants to bring in some new players. So we'll get to that. But for Glenn Johnson, I would say he's a push. I don't think he's a flop. I don't think he's a hit. Uh, Jeremy, I would say, is the same. I'd say he's a push. Brought in a good player. Had been a squad player at Real. Became a good squad player for Chelsea. Scored some big goals at some big times. I think he's a push. I think Wayne Bridge is also a push. And again, not all his fault. Had a couple of really good years. Really good is, is probably a bit strong. He had a couple of good years as the starter. And then would, would then be replaced by the best left back in the world. So I think he's a push. Wayne, uh, sorry, Damien Duff, a hit. Brought from Blackburn for 17 million. Will play a key role over a couple of seasons, help win a couple of titles, and then move on to Newcastle. Uh, Joe Cole, I think, is a hit. Was there seven years. Left on a free for Liverpool, but played a key role in a couple of titles. Uh, Juan Sebastian Varane is our first miss, as he was for Manchester United. And I think Varane is probably... I mean, Shevchenko is probably the main one. But Varane, for me, after Shevchenko, will be the biggest disappointment coming to the Premier League in terms of a player that I really, really loved. When he was at Lazio playing in that midfield with Stankovic, Diego Simeone himself and Nedved, it's it's my favourite midfield that I've ever seen. Uh, they won the title together in 99-2000. They were even better then in 2000-2001. They did have some, some injuries. They lost key depth and that cost them the title. That year they won the title. They had Almeida, Matias Almeida as a backup central midfielder. And Sergio Conceição, as a backup wide player, they got rid of both of them to bring in Hernan Crespo. And I've gone off topic, but it links nicely to Hernan Crespo was also signed um, by Chelsea this summer. And he's also a miss. And unfortunately, I, again, a player I loved, it just didn't work for him in England. The best success he had while contracted to Chelsea, came playing for AC Milan. Adrian Mutu, uh, another player that was super highly rated in Italy with uh, with Parma, um, came over, initial signs looked good, fell off, and then 
I mean, his story is well written. I, I won't get into it too much, but fair to say, uh, a miss. Uh, Neil Sullivan signed to be a backup goalkeeper. Absolutely fine. That's a push. Alexi Smirton signed to be a squad player. Decent squad player. think that's a push. Claude McAlealy, no-brainer hit. Had been super important to a Real Madrid team that won the Champions League, but they didn't want to give him a new contract because they undervalued him because he wasn't a superstar. And Chelsea were the happy beneficiaries of him. And I would say Scott Parker, also a push. So from that first summer, when Roman takes over, they spend £111 150,000. Ferrer leaves, Zola leaves on a free, Jody Morris leaves on a free, Graham Lasso went to Southampton for 500,000, and Ed DeHoy left on a free. So their net spend was 110,650,000. For that, they bought three hits Duff, Cole, and McAlealy, and six that I would classify as a push Johnson. Jeremy, Bridge, Sullivan, Alexi Schmerton, and Scott Parker with Veron, Crespo, and Mutu as misses. Jumping then to 04-05, this is the summer Mourinho arrives. Mourinho's just won the Champions League with Porto. He comes in, he wants to bring some players with him, he wants to spend some money, he wants to flex his muscles in the transfer market. Paolo Ferreira arrives from Porto. I think he was decent. I think he should have been better. He never fully adapted to the physical nature of the Premier League. And again, he would be replaced in time. Um, I, I think he's a push. I don't think you could mark him as a failure because he was still there quite a while. It was just that he became a squad player. Peter Cech also arrived 7 million from Stad Ren. No question, he is a hit. Arjen Robin arrived from PSV Eindhoven. Again, no question, he was a hit. Matthias Kesman, I think, is a miss because I think Kesman should have been a more frequent goal scorer. Didier Drogba arrived, no question, he's a hit. Uh, Thiago arrived from Benfica for 10 million. Now, he would go on to have much better success at other clubs, uh, specifically Atletico Madrid. He was only at Chelsea the one year. They did make a profit on him. No, they didn't make a profit. They lost money on him. So one year, lose actually lose quite a bit of money. I think you have to mark him down as a miss. Uh, after him, Ricardo Carvalho is the no-brainer of no-brainers. No That's a hit. One of the best centre-backs the Premier League has ever seen. And Yuri Yerisek. He wasn't there all that long, from what I can remember. Uh, he was at Chelsea. Yeah, they brought him in. Brought him in January. Loaned him the following season and then sold him to Celtic at a loss. Um, I, I can't see that he's not a miss. Um he was Russian, as was Schmerton. I assume they were bought in as part of some favour agreement that Roman had with, with somebody back in the homeland. Um, 
to just clarify what Mrs. Varane and Crespo were, having been brought in for big money the previous summer, they were both loaned out this summer. So, yeah, I think absolutely fair to say they were misses. Their net spend that summer, 89.15 million. They did get four great ones, though. Czech, Robin, Drogba, Carvalho. Can't really argue with that, in fairness. Um, 05-06, Mourinho's won his first title. Now he wants to spend some more money. Lissana Diara, I would say a push. Never as good for them as he was elsewhere, but developed well and they sold him on. Sean Wright Phillips was a miss. Spent a lot of money on him. It didn't work. Uh, Asir Del, Del Horno, that's a miss. Was the number one left-back prospect in Spain at the time. Was probably 22, 23. Just didn't work in the Premier League at all. Didn't work for Chelsea. Um, and then the big hit of the summer, Michael Essien. This was the smallest spend so far, $35.8 million. Now, they had sold a bunch of players. They sold Scott Parker, sold Kesman, sold Mikel Forcell, Thiago, and Alexis Merton. So they did bring in $22.6 million while spending just over $58. Essien, the only hit that summer, I would say that's probably the first, not bad summer, but the first kind of disappointing summer of uh, of the the rain. Oh six oh seven, Balak arrives on a free. That's no brainer. He's a hit. He was tremendous for them. Solomon Kalu arrived. Nine million was there a long time. Was never really good enough to be a starter, but was a very good squad player. I actually think he's a hit. I actually think he's a hit for service, for games, big performances in some big games. Had a terrible haircut at one point, but we'll let him away with that. Uh, Shevchenko, that's the biggest miss of all. 30 million, he was the best striker in the world at the time. Uh, but he didn't fit how Mourinho wanted to play. Khalid Boularouz, that is another disaster of a signing. Um, nicknamed the Cannibal for, you know, whatever reason. John Obi Mikel. Now, it's marked down here that he cost four million. He didn't. So that's one of the weirdest transfers ever. He signed for Manchester United from Lynn in Norway for four million pounds. He also signed for Chelsea from Lynn in Norway for four million pounds. And without ever playing for Manchester United, United made a twelve million pound profit. Because when they sat down and negotiated with Chelsea, because he wanted to go to Chelsea, the club wanted to sell him to United. So when he was going to Chelsea, Chelsea had to pay United compensation. They had to basically buy him out of his United contract. And they paid an additional £12 million to Manchester United for a guy that never even stood in Manchester. Never even had a picture taken. Now, he was super highly rated at the time he was seen as he was one of these wonder kids that was going to be a top top player for years he never became a top player but he was a good player for a long time and he was a great servant to Chelsea 16 millions an awful lot of money especially back then it was an awful lot of money but he was at Chelsea from 06 to 2017 he played 249 league games and 372 games 
in all competitions. He helped them win two league titles, three FA Cups, a Champions League and a Europa League. I think he has to be a hit. Even at that money, even as farcical as the deal was, and even though he never became the player he was expected to be, I think it has to be a hit. Ashley Cole, I mean, the best left back in the world. Uh, five million and William Gallas, I think you'd do that deal all day long. Um, again, the spending is down at this point because they don't need to spend as much money uh, to highlight that the Del Horno deal had been a, a flop. He leaves this summer at a loss. Um, net spend is around 26 million, 56 million spent, 31, sorry, 57 million spent, 31 million brought in. So again, you know, moderate spending, not the 100 million he was spending when he first arrived. Um, 07, 08, you've got Claudio Pizarro arrives on a free. That's a push. He did okay. Not great. Can't really argue too much against free signings. Uh, Tal Benham arrives again. I mean, push. Steve Sidwell, solid. Good on a free. Push. Giuliano Belletti arrives from Barcelona, having you know scored a winner in the Champions League 12 months before. Was pretty much a disaster for Chelsea. He's a miss. Uh, Freddy, uh, Franco De Santo, he was a miss. He was awful. Um, Anelka arrives. That's definitely a hit. I think that's fair. Ivanovic arrives. That's definitely a hit. He was, he was outstanding for them for years. And Florian Malouda arrives. Now, he didn't quite live up to expectations, but part of that was injury. But I think when he played, he was really, really good for them. And I think he was important in winning a number of titles. He was there for six years as well. I think he's a hit. I think we'll be fair and we'll, we'll mark him down as a hit. Um, 08 09, Jose Basingwa arrives to be the new right back. I don't think he was all that great, though, was he? I don't think Basingwa was, was brilliant for Chelsea. He was there four years. I, I, to me, he wasn't good enough to mark as a hit. He's not a miss, but I think he's a push. Deco arrived. Now, this one, to me, is a miss. He looked brilliant for the first couple of weeks he was there. And then it all sort of fell apart. I remember talking to people and they were like, oh, he's the sign of the summer, he's the sign of the summer. And it just wasn't. I think Deco's a miss. Um, Ricardo Charisma arrives on loan. You know, it is what it's a loan. We're not going to get too much into that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's probably the worst summer so far. There's no... No good signings in that summer. Um, there's some money spent, but but nobody that's going to change the game for them. Again, they, they've gone quite quiet in the market here. So Daniel Sturridge arrives um, from Man City in 09. I think that's a push. Didn't really do it at Chelsea, but they made a profit on him when they sold him to Liverpool. Yuri Zhirkov is a miss. Super talented, but just never adapted to life in England. And Nemanja Matic, um, who they would use to get David Luiz, 
and then bite back. I think on the first go round, I think he's a push. Uh, second time round, I think he's definitely a hit. But first time round, it's a push. That summer, they also let Andrei Shevchenko go on a free transfer, um, which you know they'd they'd loaned him a bunch of times by then to AC Milan. Um, 2010, this was a weird time. So they buy Yossi Benayoun from Liverpool. He doesn't do very well. He's a miss. Thomas Callas, they bring in this super highly talented, highly rated young defender. He was about 17 at the time. They paid five million for him. And um, they just loaned him endlessly. Loaned him back to the Czech Republic, loaned him to Fiat Arnhem, to Cologne, to Middlesbrough, to Fulham, to Bristol. And then he finally went to Bristol for about eight million. So they made a profit on him all those years later. I think he's a push. We'll go with a push for him. Um, And Ramirez arrives from Benfica. And he was really good. This one they got, they got fascinated with Benfica players for a couple of years. But he's there six years. He plays 159 league games, 250 in all competitions. He's he's key to them winning some big trophies. I think Ramirez is definitely a got to be a hit. Then they bring in Fernando Torres. And that to me is after Shevchenko, it's the biggest miss that they make. Now, Liverpool fans knew that Torres was done. He'd had that bad knee injury. Chelsea signed him without a medical. If they'd done a medical on him, they would have known he needed knee surgery and they probably never would have done the deal. But Liverpool sort of rushed it and made sure that they that they bought him without checking what they were buying. Uh, David Luiz brought in that same window. And I think they sold him for a big profit, but he was such... A calamitous defender. I've never understood why PSG bought him for 50 million the way they did. I can only assume it's because they had Thiago Silva and they thought, let's have both of the Brazilian centre backs. They sold him back to Chelsea um, two years later for 34 million, which again was way over what he was worth. On the basis they made a big profit on him the first time, it's a push. But to me, um, that's a bad signing. He's just not a good defender. He's never been a good defender. He's good in a three, but not in a two. Um, Thibaut Courtois arrives in the summer of 2011. That's a hit. Ariel Romeo, that's a push. Never really did it. They sold him at a bit of a profit. Lukaku. I mean, I just don't know. He, it didn't work for him at Chelsea. They've sold him. He's gone on to be brilliant. They made a big profit, so I, I think it's a, I think it's a push. I think it's a failure on their part that they sold him though, and missed out on on what he became. Um, that was just stupidity. Juan Mata, I think that's a hit. Raúl Morales was a miss. Then in the winter, they signed Gary Cahill. That was a hit. Lucas Piazon, that was a miss because they loaned him endlessly. I don't think they made any money on him. 
Patrick Bamford signed from Forest for a million. Push, I mean, didn't do it for Chelsea, but he's a very good player. And Kevin De Bruyne. So having, you know, already bought Lukaku, they go back to Belgium, they get this kid who's uh, hyped to the moon. It's a push because they didn't know what they had. And um, it's a massive miss in that they sold him before they found out. Um, 2012, they signed the Masunda brothers. Uh, they're not... I mean, Charlie Masunda was meant to be this next incredible talent. He was going to be the best of all the Belgian players, but it, it never worked at all, at all. Um, Marco Marin was signed. That was a flop. Um, Eden Hazard, big hit. Torgan Hazard, push. Oscar. Never hit his potential at Chelsea. Never really got close. Sold a big profit, push. Cesar Aspilicueta, hit. Victor Moses, do they still own him? They do. They still own Victor Moses nearly nine years later. Um, he's never really... He's had one season where he established himself as first choice, but he's been loaned to Liverpool, Stoke, West Ham, Fenerbahce, Inter Milan, and Spartak Moscow. They've probably made their initial outlay back on him in uh, transfer fee, in, in loan fees. And he did play a key role in winning them the league. I think it has to be a, a hit, actually. It's a, it's, a bit, it's a borderline one, but I think it's a hit. Um, Demba Ba signed in the January. Wallace was a miss. Demba Ba, I think he was a miss, but they'll, they'll mark him down as a hit because he scored that goal at Anfield. But I think it's a push. Uh, Drogba leaves, Basingwa leaves, Kalu leaves, Raul Morelos leaves all in that one summer. Uh, 13-14, Mar- Marco van Ginkel, talented, just injuries, 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 injuries. I'll give him a push because I think he's just been so unlucky. Um, Christian Cuevas, I mean, miss, never played for them. Willian, I think that's a hit. Etu was a miss. I think Atsu was a miss as well. He was hyped to be something he didn't become. They bought Burton Traore. They sold him a few years later at a profit, but he never played for them really. They bring back Matic. That's a hit. Mo Salah. That's a push. Kurt Zuma, I think at the moment is a push, but he's moving towards hit territory. It's just taken him a long time to get settled in. Mario Pasolic, um, that's a push as well. I think they may end up regretting. Now, he's a little bit older than when they've sold him at 25, 26 to uh, Atalanta, but he's been there a couple of years on loan. He's been really good. I think Chelsea's made a mistake on that one. Um, there's one other one there. Andre Scherler, that's a miss. Twice he's come to the Premier League. Been a disaster both times. Twice clubs have paid big money for him, them and Borussia Dortmund, and he's been a disaster both times. Uh, Andre Scherler is better at smaller clubs, average clubs, where he's just one of the better players rather than 
at bigger clubs surrounded by better players. Um, would spend two years at Chelsea, be sold to Wolfsburg. Did okay at Wolfsburg and then Dortmund wasted money on him. He's been on loan the last couple of years. It was meant to be a two-year loan to Fulham and Fulham cancelled it after a year when they went down. Uh, Cesc Fabregas, I think that's a hit. Diego Costa is a hit. Felipe Luiz was a miss. Sign back Drogba, I mean, push. Loic Remy was a miss. Juan Cuadrado was a miss. That wasn't a particularly good um, transfer window, in truth. Um, Nathan, miss. Begovic, miss. This is summer 2015. Uh, Baba Rockman, miss. Pedro was a hit. Kennedy. He's a talented player. I'll give him a push. Papa Jilibodji, I can't pronounce that name. They only had him for a while. They sold him to Sunderland for a profit. I think that's a push. Uh, Michael Hector, push. Matt Miazga, I don't know what the point of ever signing him was, uh, but we'll be kind and say push. Rapidly running out of space on this A4 piece of paper. Um, Michi Batshuayi, that's a miss. Yeah, and Golo Kante, that's a no-brainer hit. Marcus Alonso. 23 million seems like an awful lot of money for a guy they've been in a hurry to replace pretty much every season. I think it's a miss, if I'm honest. I, I don't think he's been good enough. And David Luiz... They bought him for thirty million. He did play an important part in them winning a title in the middle of that back three, but they sold him for eight million a couple of years later. I think it's a push. I don't think it's a hit. I you, you might disagree. Um, yeah, not not a great. Kante's a brilliant signing. The rest not particularly good. Um, this is where they hit. They hit a really bad run. Willie Caballero was bought to be a backup goalkeeper. He's been a backup goalkeeper. That's a push. Antonio Rudiger has had one good season, two bad seasons, and one half-decent return to form this season. That's a push. Bakayoko signed from Monaco. Flop. Morata. Flop. Zabacosta. Flop. And Danny Drinkwater, say it with me, flop. Um, Ollie Giroud, I think, has been a hit. I think that's fair. I think he's done really well. Uh, Ross Barkley, I think, is a push. I think Emerson Palmieri is a miss. Eighteen, nineteen, we're into now. 
They bring in Jorginho. I think that's a miss, if I'm honest. I think it's a miss. I don't think he's done well enough. For 52 million, not for me. Kepa, definitely a miss. Christian Pulisic is a push right now. Talented, but just hasn't hasn't worked out. Um, Higuain. Now, they paid seven million to bring him in on loan for eighteen months and then bend him off after six. That to me is a miss. Um, I mean, I'm not going to mark Rob Green. He's brought to be the fifth choice goalkeeper, and he was Kovacic the following summer. A little bit inconsistent so far, but last season he was brilliant. Last season he was the best central midfielder. Central midfielder, not defensive or attacking, just in the the middle of the three roles. I think he's the best one in the league. I think Fabinho, him, and Kevin De Bruyne across last season as a whole were the three best midfielders in the league. And I think he has been... Oh, I think it's it's probably a push at this point. It's probably too early to say he's a success. And then this summer, summer just gone. The the best transfer window anyone's ever had. Zajic, push but trending flop. Werner, push at best. Uh, Chilwell, lost his place to Marcus Alonso. Kai Havertz, I think the less said at the moment, the better. These are all pushes. I'm not marking any of them as hits or misses. Mendy. Malang Sar. I mean, he, he sent a loan the day after he signed. And Thiago Silva. All of them I'm just marking down as pushes. I don't think any of them are hits. So, that's taken a while. Apologies. But that's every signing Chelsea have made, basically. There were some kids that they signed for like a million here, a million there. I didn't go into those. Those kids they signed for 40 grand. I didn't mention them. Um, That's every player basically that they've signed, that they've spent real money on to bring to the club over the reign of Roman. And, I mean, there's obviously some brilliant ones that you just can't argue with. But there's an awful lot of bad signings there. And I've only got 29. Is it 29 that I've marked as hits? Duff, Cole, McAuley, Czech, Robin, Drogba, Carvalho, Essien, Balak, Kalu, Janobi, Mikel, Cole, Anelka, Ivanovic, Maluda, Giroud, Kante, Pedro, Costa, Czech, Matic, the second time, Willian, Mo, Victor Moses, Aspilicueta, Eden Hazard, Gary Cahill, Juan Mata, Thibaut Courtois, and Ramirez. I mean, I don't think I'm being harsh here. I think I've been quite generous with some of them, but that's 29. Now, it is an average of two a year, and I think if you can make two good signings a year, you, well, it's actually less than two a year because it's been 18 years now, so it's quite less than two a year. Um, but, like, for misses, I've got Veron, Crespo, Mutu, Kesman, Thiago. There's five. Um, Jarosek, Wright, Phillips, 
Del Horno, Shevchenko, Bularuz. Belletti, DeSanto. I've probably been harsh with DeSanto. He's probably a push. But Belletti, Deco, Shirkov, Begovic, Benayun, Torres, Morales, Piazan, Wallace, Etu, Atsu. I mean, again, the likes of Atsu and, and I've probably been harsh with, but there's definitely more misses. Like, Sherla, I think Louise is a miss. Uh, Felipe Luis, the, the left back, sorry, not David Luis. Um, Loic Remy, Quadrado, Baba Rockman, Michi, Marcus Alonso, Bakayoko, Morata, Zabacosta, Drinkwater, Palmieri, Jorginho, and Kappa. I think they're all misses. For what they were signed for and what they were signed to be, I think that's all misses right there. There's 30, 32 real misses. If I'm being kind to some of the rest, there's 32 real misses. And then the rest are like a push. And there's easily 50 of them. But when you factor in the mistakes they made in selling De Bruyne, selling Lukaku, and selling Salah. I don't know that Chelsea have spent their money the best way. I think if you've spent that much money over that length of time, you really should be better than you've been. I know they won. Look, I, I know they've had great success under Roman. I do. I appreciate what they've done in the time he's been there. I mean, they've won five league titles under Roman. They've won five FA Cups under Roman. Three League Cups. Champions League, two Europa Leagues. I appreciate all of it. I think it's incredible what they've done. I think they should have done more. I really do think they should have done more. Like when you consider the Manchester City ownership group arrived six, seven years after it, after him, and they've, they're about to win their fifth league, um, which will match him. They haven't won the Champions League yet, but, you know, this season could be the one. I think City have spent their money quite better. I'll, I'll go into that. I'll do that at some point as well, what they've spent on the, their ownership. But I don't know that Chelsea have always spent money the best way. And... I keep hearing that they're going to just spend and spend and spend this summer to win another title, win a Champions League, whatever. I just don't think that's the right approach for them. I don't think they need to go and spend a whole ton of money. Like if he wants to play, if, if Thomas Tuchel wants to play a back three and isn't massively keen, on the centre-backs that he currently has. Ethan Ampadu is super talented. Fekio Tamora is super talented. And Mark Weehy at Swansea is super talented. That's three brilliant young British defenders that they own that could be developed together as a back three. 
It's always annoyed me that they let Nathan Aki go. Always annoyed me. Because he would have been ideal on the ba- on the left of the back three that Conte wanted to play when he was there. And they let him go. I didn't understand it at all. But there's three really talented young centre-backs on their books already that could step in and be developed together to do that job. Malang Sarr is another one that's well-suited to playing in a back three. Conor Gallagher is a super talented young midfield player. He'll never get an opportunity there. You'll end up like, you know, like Lewis Baker, for example. He's been on loan, on loan, on loan. Just endless, endless with them. Loftus cheek the same, not developed. But there's three defenders there that could step in. They've got a £72 million goalkeeper. Wasn't worth £72 million, but that's what they paid from. And he's now just a lost cause. The goalkeeper they have that they've bought, Mendy, he's not good enough. They'll need a goalkeeper. They want new centre-backs. They want another one in midfield. They want a striker. And I'm looking at all this talent at that club. Pulisic, Werner, Hudson-Odoi, Havertz. I'm wondering what it will take for someone to actually just take the time to develop them. Like You can't tell me that that back three that I mentioned, Tamore, Gwehi, and... and um, Oh, what's the boy's name? A- A- Ampadu. Those three, with Reese James and Chilwell as the wing-backs, that you couldn't develop that into something really, really strong. You can't tell me that you couldn't. Yes, they'd need a holding midfielder to play next to Kovacic or, or Mount. But again, that's fine. That's one signing a goalkeeper is two. You've got Incredible options up front. Incredible options. You could play Havertz as a false nine with Pulisic and Werner either side, or you could play, you know, you could actually work with Werner to make him a nine and play Havertz and, I don't know, Callum Hudson Adoy as the wide players either side. Like you've got so much talent, and yet it's Chelsea are set to spend 300 million again this summer. Spent 240 last summer, lads. It didn't work. And yet, there are certain sure, sure things in football. You could maybe go and buy Erling Haaland for 150 million. And yeah, he'll bang in goals. But I mean, if that, if, I don't know. Like, it just bugs me that this, so many players have gone there, young players, and had their careers spoiled by the endless loans, by having their paths blocked, by all these new signings. They've got one of the best academies in Europe there. Reese James is the first player to actually establish himself as a starter from the academy. Now, Mount, Mount as well. Reese James and Mason Mount, the first players to establish themselves as starters from their academy. Since John Terry. Now, Hudson Adoy is borderline. He's not, you know, he hasn't established himself yet. But Mount had two loans and a lot of doubters. He's 22 and he's just established himself this season. Um, it To me, I'm just like, 
I think Chelsea need to look a bit more inward and look at the talent that's coming through their academy. I mean, look at the kid that they just lost. Jamal Musiala, one of the biggest talents in Europe, walked away from their academy because he didn't see a pathway. Because he felt like that club wasn't going to give him opportunities. They had De Bruyne. They had Lukaku. They had Salah. And rather than develop them and wait for them, they rushed along and spent boatloads of money. And now they don't have a number nine as good as Lukaku. They don't have a wide forward as good as Salah. And they don't have a midfielder as good as De Bruyne. And all that money they've spent. It hasn't been good enough. Hasn't been good enough at all. That is the end of my protracted rant about Chelsea's transfer dealings. Um, I am planning to do that more often on other clubs, though. So apologies in advance. I'll finish up then with the gossip. um, Because that's what I enjoy doing. West Ham hope to sign striker Tammy Abraham from Chelsea in the summer with two other English players, Eddie and Ketia and Ivan Tony, also on their list of goal-scoring options. I think if Brentford come up, Tony stays there. Arsenal would be foolish to let Nketiah go. He's so talented, but you just never know. Tammy Abraham would be a good signing. I prefer him to go to Villa. I think he's a better, a better fit at Villa, but, you know, if you can get him West Ham, absolutely go for it. Spurs look likely to be given the opportunity to sign Gareth Bale permanently in the transfer window. Unless it's a free, they shouldn't want to. Um, Eintracht Frankfurt's Portuguese striker, Andre Silva, says he is flattered to be linked with a move to Manchester United. He's a very good player, having a very, very good season. Reading's English left-back, Omar Richards, will join Bayern Munich on a four-year deal this summer. I, I don't like that move for him. I really, really don't. French striker, Alexandre Lacazette, will leave Arsenal this summer, according to Football London. That's an interesting one. I wonder where he'll go. He'll definitely have some some clubs want him. Arsenal will probably lose some money, but it's probably for the best that they do sell him on this summer. Premier League clubs have discussed changes to the transfer window that would permit players, or sorry, permit players under the age of 21 to leave after deadline day. That's a really good idea. Really, really good idea. Um, Manchester United can no longer attract the world's best players, says Andy Cole. The 49-year-old adds that United could miss out on Erling Haaland. They already did miss out on him. That's why he's at Dortmund. Uh, they can't attract players because they're managed by a PE teacher. And they're, they've got a, a fool running football operations. This summer could be now or never for Danny Murphy. Sorry, sorry, for Harry Kane if he wants to leave Tottenham to take the next step. It's from Danny Murphy, so we'll just ignore it. Nonsense. English defender Gary Cahill says he has no concerns about his future at Crystal Palace despite being out of contract this summer. He's one you probably do keep. If you're Palace of the 12 that are out of contract, he's one you probably do keep. French goalkeeper Ilan Melier might leave, might leave Leeds if they did not keep improving. It's his former midfielder Danny Mills. So Danny Mills, just as bad as Danny Murphy. Clowns. Absolute clowns, the pair of them. Talk utter gibberish. Endlessly. Like, who cares what Danny Murphy thinks about what Harry Kane needs to do for his career? Like, genuinely, who cares what Danny Murphy has to say about things? 
Your squad player at Liverpool won some cups on the back of much better players. Wasn't a starter in that in that team that year. Rafa Benitez saw right through him and sent him out the door to Charlton. As soon as he arrived, Murphy out. Just no time for him. And all he's done is be bitter and talk utter gibberish ever since. Like Danny Mills was a decent player for Leeds, but he's he's done nothing but talk bobbins for years. Years as a pundit, talking utter nonsense. Um, Everton manager Carlo Ancelotti says France midfielder Abdoulaye Dekura was not on his own summer recruitment list. This is the same nonsense I saw yesterday. Um, Manchester City boss Pep Guardiola says Eric Garcia will join Barcelona in the summer. Yeah, I mean, everybody's been expecting it to happen. So it's, look, it's it's a good move for the kid. Best of luck to him. I don't really see the hype. He's, he looks talented, but I don't see the hype. I don't think he's worthy of Man City and Barcelona arguing over him. Uh, Leicester could face competition from Premier League rivals Arsenal and Aston Villa for Celtic's odds and Eduard in the summer. Eduard is super talented. He would be a great fit at pretty much any Premier League club. Leicester would be a good fit. He could be the Vardy um, successor. Villa, he'd be a really good fit next to Watkins. And he, I like he'd, he'd be a good replacement for Lacazette at Arsenal. There's no, there's no doubt. Aston Villa midfielder Morgan Sanson reveals there was interest from Leeds last summer before he decided to move to Villa Park in January. Um, he'd probably be playing, playing more often if he'd gone to Leeds. Aaron Ramsdale says he wants to stay at Bramall Lane next season if they're relegated after West Ham were linked with a move for him. You'd have to be out of your mind to buy him. You would have to be absolutely out of your mind to buy him. He should want to stay there and nobody else should want to buy him. Simple as that. Right, that's the end of that. That's the end of the gossip. The only other stuff there is from a, a tragic publication that we won't mention on this podcast. That is it for today. A uh, bit of a long one, but the Chelsea thing took longer than expected. Uh, largely because they'd signed lots of bad players. Uh, back tomorrow, have Marius Fisher. Uh, you will know him as Gegenpressing91 on your social media. Uh, he's coming on to talk about Arsenal, talk about his visual creations, talk about whatever he wants, really. Uh, so that's tomorrow for today. Take care of yourselves. Thanks to Guy. Thanks to you. Thanks to Fox on. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.